Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminole Boosters, who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminole Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, log on to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, good to see you, sir. Good to have football back out on the practice fields. They're in shorts. It really doesn't count, but it does count. Everybody excited. Everybody excited. Everybody looks good. Uh, I suspect that if you were to say, I'm reminded of the old-time conversation between Mickey Andrews and Coach Jim Gladden when they showed up for the first practice in the indoor practice facility. And it was the beginning of fall camp. They were still in shorts. And uh, one of them looks at the other one and says, they look good on the hoof. This squad does look good on the hoof. And Keith, you're never going to give them credit, even though they were in shorts, unless they start practicing twice a day for, I don't know, six straight weeks or whatever you had to do back in your day uphill both ways. Exactly. Without shoes in the snow. (laughs) I forgot about that. That was when it was really chilly in Tallahassee. Exactly. I forgot about those days. What are you most excited about with this spring practice? That they're back on the field. Um, I mean, we, we know the excitement that was generated through the season. We know the, the winning streak at the end, the performance in the uh, bowl game in, uh, in Orlando. All that stuff is very important. Uh, Coach Norvell has started some of his uh, spring tours with uh, different uh, Seminole clubs around both Florida as well as the Southeast but you, you, you make your way on the field, whether it be in shorts, full pads, or otherwise. So getting back to practice, uh, I think, is very, very important for the program. And uh, I'm just excited to see what they do, how they progress. I know some kids are out. I know some kids are going to be limited. But uh, getting back on the field is what makes football good and, in many cases, great. Do you have any concerns about – believe in the hype a little too much I do although I don't think the staff is going to believe it certainly Norvell's not going to believe it he's going to control the staff the staff is going to control the players I think the players understand Uh, they're they're smart they understand we as fans are going to get over exuberant and we're going to you know express ourselves way too much but that I don't think that is going to you know, work its way down to the players. They understand. They, they see tape. They know where they played. Those that kids that have experience, they know what last year was. And again, repeating, this coaching staff is not going to allow this group to get too far uh, to one way or the other. Yeah, it's I don't doubt the work. It's about the work. And, and they'll be focused on that. Yeah, I don't doubt that from the coaching staff. And actually, I agree with you on the players, but you're the one who always points out that 
you know, it's it's not the coach's job to get them motivated and excited to play on Saturday. The leaders need to do the leaders on the team need to do that. So I guess, but when you look at it, what have the leaders on the team truly accomplished? I mean, you would think they would be pretty hungry. Yes, the program is better than it was when they got here, but it you're not giving out trophies for being better. Oh, they're still hungry. I mean, they're hungry yeah. because look at the number of kids that came back. Right. I mean, you you've got three, four, five, six kids. Maybe they maybe they don't get drafted, but they sign. Uh, you know, you well, undrafted free agents. What is that? UFA contracts but they decided to come back. That is a testament to the fact that there's unfinished business, which is a great, I mean, a great motivator. Bob Ferrante is our Osceola insider. He was uh, at practice. The first practice was on Monday. They practice again later today on Wednesday. Uh, he also was at baseball on uh, Tuesday. We'll talk football, baseball, and yes, basketball. The uh, men's season is uh, in the books all that is straight ahead, and uh, we'll cover it over the next hour right here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. We welcome you back to Front Row Knowles as we crank open the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together, and say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Bob, I know you're excited. We can actually talk about on-field football this week, and practice is underway for the spring. Excitement has been in the air since we left Camping World Stadium in Orlando after the bowl game, and it continues. So your first impressions, the first thing that registered through your mind when you watched practice on Monday was... These guys look way better than they did two years ago, way better than three years ago. And I think maybe people are somewhat tired of hearing something like that. And they want to be just floored by your first impression of somebody in t-shirt and shorts who's been on campus for three months. And there's, there's some good ones like Kyle Morlock, you know, looks like a receiver. I'm sorry, runs like a receiver, looks like a tight end. There, there's some really you know, good stuff to like about Kyle Morlock, but I just think the big overall theme is, wow, the the players are leading and, and there's, there's a lot of depth out there. This doesn't look like the 21 spring where there was just a lot of coaching and a lot of pushing and prodding and, and hoping that, that certain pieces were going to come together. It, it really looks like the kind of team that I, I think Mike Norvell had has kind of, set about creating in his vision i think the biggest thing that jumped out at me was norvell's comments after practice when he he said even though it was the first practice of spring he liked the effort he liked how the kids were pushing themselves yeah it's it's in shorts it doesn't count i'm sorry old school it doesn't count but if the coach was not happy with the effort in shorts that leads to not being happy with effort and pads so all the all the signs are pointing positive. Right, I, I agree. I, I think I think Mike knows where this team is in terms of leadership. So many guys came back. He doesn't really have to worry about um, you know motivating and, and pulling guys along. Going back to twenty and twenty one, where he was having to run around and create energy and, and motivate guys. Now he's still running around and he's still yelling to some extent, but he also knows there's leadership at almost every position group 
probably multiple guys if, if you kind of wanted to run through every group and and find a couple of guys they it, it takes care of itself the the culture has been established and you know a couple of the guys were saying i think it might have been you know jared verse monday night that wow they were all together sunday night in the same team meeting room you know for the first time the schedules had aligned for all of them in that pre-spring meeting and they all kind of looked at each other and it was like hey we're, we're back and, and it, it's good to be together for for this run so it's neat to see it's neat to see the videos on social media and guys are doing the squat party and cheering each other on i think you know we saw that in tour of duty last week too offense was cheering on defense and and vice versa so you're, you're seeing just good good chemistry i think there's a lot of good friendships and a, and a brotherhood out there and look not everybody's going to get along uh, there's going to be good competition but i think it's he's established something coach norvell has that's that's pretty special here. And I think we have to maybe take some time just to appreciate in the big picture, uh, just how far the program's come. And, you know, it seems like it took a while, maybe, maybe longer than a lot of fans wanted it to, but in, in a very short number of years, it's, it's really gotten to a good place again. It's funny. It felt like it took a while going through it, but now looking back, it feels like we got to this point pretty quickly. Maybe that's my age speaking. Right. But, uh, as, as you look at this, and we're talking with Bob Ferrante, this is a, a Tuesday night conversation. Bob was at practice on Monday. I'm going to go out there uh, later today on Wednesday, Bob. How did – you mentioned leadership. So, obviously, Jordan Travis is one. I, I presume Jared Verse is another. But but was it noticeable which guys were vocal leaders out there? Yeah, I think – you know, I mean, I mean, one, one bummer is, is Micah Pittman's out for the spring, and I felt like in, in the spring of 22, Micah was the guy that set the standard for the rest of that position group. And, and then everybody elevated their play to match it. And yeah, with, with him out though, I still feel like the receivers look really good. Um, and one of the successes that I, I think maybe you may not agree with how Coach Norvell did it, did he hit the transfer portal too much? But he brought in a lot of older guys with production and leadership in the process, he's elevated a lot of rooms. You know, last year it was wide receiver. We think this year it might be tight end with Kyle Morlock and Jaheim Bell. Still to be determined if that linebacker room continues to take another jump, but but a Tatum Bethune was a big addition. And yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of leadership on defense. I just think guys returning, feeling com more comfortable. A lot of these transfers who decided to come back, you know, historically we've heard, hey, it's tough to walk right in and decide I'm comfortable and I want to be a leader. Maybe that takes time to get to build those relationships over lunch and dinner and, and time spent in, in meeting rooms or, or, or dorms or apartments. Now, second year around for a lot of these transfers, they, they feel very, very comfortable with, with who they are and, and speaking up. So I, I think, you know, across the board, we're seeing a, a ton of veterans who just feel, hey, they can they can speak up. And when everybody's accountable player to player, that's that's when coaches can kind of say, well, we still have to do our jobs, but the players are doing a lot of the policing that that we don't have to do. Bob, speaking of the coaches, uh, contracts renewed, some raises along the way, uh, some continuity with the exception of Sertan joining it uh, for the defensive backs. I mean, this is a pretty savvy 
consistent, uh, well-oiled coaching staff that Norvell has assembled and is now managing. What are your thoughts? I think he probably will say that he feels very, very fortunate by that because he's used to the turnover that he had at Memphis. You know, Memphis was always being rated by an SEC program or somebody else. You would see an assistant coach jump after a year or two. He's got a lot of coaches who have been here all four years. That's pretty incredible to, to, to see that continuity and, you know, to hear an Alex Atkins say, it's, I feel very fortunate to be here um, for him to say, my wife loves it here. And when you're recruiting me, you really need to be recruiting her. You hear some cool stories like that. And, and I think the coaches have really settled in. Well, that's, that was a storyline that we kind of examined last year too, was, you know, coach Norvell knew there was so much coordinator turnover. There was so much um, just this coach comes in, he changes this and that. And players were constantly feeling like I've got to change and get used to a personality, but also a game plan. There's enough continuity for, for really this team to be very successful. And, you know, we'll see the earlier returns on, on Patrick Sertan are, are very, very positive in who he is and, and how he coaches. Um, and, and we could see some, some defensive backs really, you know, grow where maybe they didn't have the right connection with coach Woodson for whatever reason, but, but Patrick Sertan comes in and just kind of, you know, unlocks a relationship off the field on the field and, and something could, could really work for, for these guys. So um, yeah, I, I think, I think continuity is really important. We saw that back in coach Bowden's days um, when, when he had it, it was great when he started to lose some of those assistant coaches. Yeah, it was tough. Did you replace him with the right guy? you know, for example, after that, that 93 national title, but right now everything's kind of feeling really, really good for, for coach Norvell and the staff. I think it's a group that uh, is kind of embracing these expectations and, and, and thinks this team will do very, very well. I know it's only been one practice, Bob, but what was Sertan's style out there? You know, you, you don't hear him. You, you kind of just see him encouraging and motivating and just, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit more laid back. You know, we see, you see and hear more of a Mike Norvell, uh, Adam Fuller, John Papuchis. Um, you know, Alex Atkins will will lay on the tough love, and and that's that's kind of typical of the offensive line coaches that we've seen here at Florida State. But but yeah, I think I think for Patrick Sertan, it's it's going to take some time. He's got to kind of figure out. Um, you know, I did ask him a couple of weeks back, who are the voices in your head? Who are the guys that you kind of channel when you're coaching? And he mentioned a number of guys at Southern Miss when he played. He mentioned Jimmy Johnson with the Miami Dolphins. He's been around and he's had a lot of different coaching styles and, and he can kind of mesh that. So it, it's it's going to be really interesting to kind of see um, just just how that kind of blends over time for sure. Bob, everybody focuses on the quarterback, and obviously we know what we have with, with Jordan. But what did you see from the backups? Uh, I've heard some good things. What did you see? Yeah, again, the, the qualifier is one day in. But I think everybody likes, likes the progress that they've taken from, say, last fall or last spring. If you can see that kind of incremental growth 
in these guys. That's a true positive. Um, I, I, I think, you know, with Brock Glenn, for example, I think the comment was made, he's still 17 years old. He really should still be in high school and maybe not trying to compete against some 22 or 23 year old guys. That's a really, really tough situation to jump in on. But, you know, Coach Norvell praised Brock for, you know, just enrolling early, settling in after some, you know, kind of I, I've got to force it here type of passes early on. And, and how he maybe adapted and adjusted just within one practice. So I, I think, you know, my, my, my one, I think, true concern is we've, we've always talked about the injury card. If, if an injury ever popped up, who is that next guy? And you kind of feel, about, feel good about the depth up and down this roster. But there is a pretty significant drop-off after Jordan Travis. You know, you know we saw what Tate Rodemaker could do in, in that second half against Louisville. And he really steadied the ship there. But I, I don't know if, if Tate Rodemaker is the slam dunk number two guy. And I think that's going to be good to see, is A.J. Duffy able to push him? Maybe it's not Brock Glenn, just because it's so early. You don't really want to put a true freshman, even in a number two role, if you can avoid it. But just the fact that there, there seems to be better competition I think that's that's a true positive. And, um, you know, again, Coach Norvell mentioned along the lines of, you know, Brock is running in there at a tempo that's been established at 2023 level, whereas, you know, a, a Jordan Travis, a Tate Rodemaker, they grew through the tempo when it went from fast to faster to fastest over time. Brock Glenn is jumping in at fastest tempo. So, so there are some kind of dynamics that I think are challenging for the freshmen and the early enrollees because this coaching staff isn't establishing something at square one. They're already a few steps down the road. Does it make either of your heads spin that really in a year we've gone from, don't we have any other options at quarterback to we can't afford to lose the guy who's running at first team right now? And I've liked Jordan all along, but that is pretty much where we've evolved to in a year, isn't it? And I think with Jordan, you know, I, I've always kind of felt that Florida State had to play better around the quarterback. There, there's always going to be the criticism of who the quarterback is. It's not just at Florida State, it's at every school. But finally, these last couple of years, we've seen better offensive line play, better playmakers. The run game is, what, top 20, one of the ACC's best, if not the best last year. When you get really good play around the quarterback, and, and Jordan went from, I think, not being confident, but being competitive to I'm competitive and I'm confident and I feel good about leading. Then all of the pieces are, are really there for, for a guy like Jordan to just step in the huddle and be, hey, I'm, I'm self-motivating myself to be the best I can each day. But I also feel like I'm truly in command and know what we're supposed to do all 11 of us on this play ahead. And we're good enough that I don't have to do more than I have to do in order to win. So therefore I can protect myself a little bit and be cognizant of not doing the dumb things. I think all of that comes into play. And it's interesting too, you know, we, we've kind of talked and heard from fans. They've said, well, should Jordan Travis run more? And I kind of, 
you know, want to slap myself and say, wait a minute, in 2019, it was can Jordan Travis even throw? And now it's he's not maybe running enough for some people. I, I think we, we all kind of know the answer is just run when needed, but, but look up and be, be a pastor, be that, that passer that, that this team really needs Florida State, um, needs Jordan Travis to be for Florida State. This is going to be a fun offense this year. we got plenty of time to dissect it, but with the added weapons and the improved offensive line, it's going to be fun to watch. All right, uh, not so fun to watch, Bob, uh, the basketball team this year. We're going to touch on that and baseball when we continue on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles. Bob, really no other way to say it. I think we'd all agree, it, it, given the way the, the season unfolded, uh, probably for the best that Florida State did not survive and advance to another day in the ACC tournament, and they can just be done with the year and, and turn the page and move forward. I think this game, you know, Tuesday afternoon sort of felt like a, a piece of the season. You saw moments, you saw bright spots, you saw some injuries within the game, and then some players stepping in. I thought Cam Corrin had his first double-double of his season, you know, really good performance, I think, overall for the freshman. And that's been a storyline, too, is freshmen have had to step into roles ahead of schedule because of all these injuries. But again, with Florida State basketball this year, you've seen pieces, you've seen spurts, maybe a good five minutes here, and an awful five or ten minutes there. And in that second half, it was dreadful. It, it didn't look good at all. Um, of course, great to see Matthew Cleveland come back. When you saw that ankle and the way he rolled it, I thought, oh, my goodness, that just looks that looks to be a really, really bad, bad injury. And then he comes right back out the second half. So obviously, you know, great for him moving into the off season, but yeah, Leonard Hamilton saying after the game, the season begins today. And I think that very much means we're going to do exit interviews. We're going to talk to people. We're going to look at the transfer portal. Everything's on the table as far as improving this team. And, and that's, that's the way it obviously needs to be after you only win nine games, which is, I can't believe that's that's being said that hasn't happened here in, in more than 20 years. Hey, Keith, let me let me go one more, KJ. Bob, but without naming names here, when they do these exit interviews, how many conclude with, all right, I'll see you tomorrow, and versus how many conclude with, I wish you luck? Yeah, and and that's the question is will Leonard Hamilton have those tough conversations and say, I love you, but I think he wants to see in, in an ideal world, everybody graduate and he wants to see those young men succeed in life and basketball. I do think there are a few men that he's going to have to say, you know, thank you. It's been really great having you, but it is time. Um, yeah. How many, I, I don't know because I think Leonard Hamilton's going to get really creative with, he said it, how he can use NIL to work around the 13 scholarship limitation he wants to bring in three or four transfers. He wants to bring back Cam Fletcher and, and Jalen Ganey. I mean, this could be a very transfer-heavy roster, similar maybe in a sense to a Pitt or a Miami. Again, you may love it next year. You may hate it. But it, it could look very different, and, and it, it could have 
a transfer feel that it's either going to work out and it's going to be great, or it it may just not have that chemistry that that Ham and Stan Jones want, and, and it may just not work out. It it remains to be seen just how how many guys and do they find that right fit that you know Norvell always says it's the right fit. And for for Coach Hamilton, there are things that are non-negotiable. They want defense. We didn't see it this year, but they truly want guys who are going to be better on the defensive end of the court. And they've they've got to get that when they're looking at transfer portal guys. Guys, I'm always reminded of something that newer fans to Florida State football don't have an appreciation for. And that is, in the latter years of Coach Bowden's time, he was the um, grandfather. He was funny. He was nice. He was uh, compassionate. But those that have been around him when he was young and even into his older age did not ever underestimate his competitiveness. Leonard, soft-spoken, doesn't get terribly up, doesn't get terribly down. Do not ever underestimate the competitiveness of Leonard Hamilton. He admitted probably didn't embrace the transfer portal as much as he should have probably didn't change some things as much as maybe he should have, but do not ever underestimate his ability to adapt and adjust. And, and he will, he may, he may not, he may still come up short, but this will be a different Florida state basketball team next year than the one you saw this year. I can guarantee it. Hey, Bob, do you think Baba is gone? You know, let's, let's, let's be honest. We haven't had a chance to talk to Baba. And I think in part, Coach Hamilton's protecting him from a doesn't want him to critique the NCAA standpoint. But Baba can't utilize name, image, and likeness because of the, the wacky uh, student visa laws that don't allow you to collect income. So how do you go to Baba and present something as far as a development? What is the opportunity that Florida State basketball can do. And, and honestly, about a week ago, we saw the last home game. You know, Baba didn't have a great first half. His second half, he had a great sequence. He, he had a couple of moves that had the NBA scouts just, they were very, very much in awe. And sometimes it just takes a couple of, of just moments within a game where I think they see that true potential in that 6-11 frame. And they say, that's a guy we're, we're going to draft maybe not based on production because he just hasn't had it. If you look at his numbers, but, but just based truly on a projection. Well, I don't think there's any doubt if you could take any of us or people who know even less than us about basketball and line them up before the game and, and not have uniforms on any of the guys and say, take a look. And I think most would come away and say that guy right there, that's the most fluid looking athletic basketball player and I'm talking about Baba Miller because you watch him it looks pretty effortless just a matter when it all comes on all right well let's let's move off basketball we'll see how that unfolds over the next couple weeks baseball I've seen play a couple times uh they are what they are but it feels like it's a little early in the season to say that they're obviously hitting the ball very well they the pitching depth or lack of has shown up already uh and the fielding has not improved the way I think everybody helped hoped it would just be a flip of the switch or the base running for that matter that said, I, I, I had a good time at the, I was out to the Friday and Sunday game this past week. The crowd is into it and enthused. I think there's a lot to like, and there's also some guys and Keith, I don't know if you've seen them play, but uh, when you look at the size of some of these guys like Cam Smith, and there's a couple others, 
these are not guys like Link Jarrett when he played that were your 5'10 guys. I mean, you see some 6'3", 6'4 guys, and that's not been real common at FSU. There's certainly athleticism. There's certainly some arm talent. It's not, um, it's not vetted yet, and I'm sure Link and, and the coaching staff doesn't know who exactly they want to use. And certainly we can throw up our arms and say, how in the world can you lose two or three to the Florida Gulf Coast? Uh, oh, by the way, they just entered the top 25 in a couple of the baseball polls. They're 11 and one. They're pretty good. Uh, they, they beat Bethune-Cookman, expected to, they should, they did. I mean, this is just a team that, that we just need to be patient and watch them develop, I think. Yeah, I think the big storyline to me, well, a couple of them, this lineup will produce a serious amount of runs. That's the best thing that, that we've seen so far through what, 12 games now the defense is not complimenting the pitching staff in that young pitchers are out there forced to get a fourth out sometimes even a fifth out in a lot of these innings and the stress that's putting on young arms who are starting or inexperienced guys who are starting is putting them in a bad spot and then it puts the bullpen guys like a Wyatt Crowell or a Connor Whitaker and there's a bunch of them and look Link Jarrett uses guys in in very unusual roles we've kind of hit on that but he's very creative in getting to that 27th out but it's harder to get to a 27th out when you're giving up like there were three errors on Saturday in the game that I was watching and honestly could have counted a couple more of those plays as errors just because you know guy didn't get the right jump on a fly ball or or a ball was a little bit offline and it was scored a hit instead of an error that's just that's all official scoring that is maybe a little bit in the weeds but the defense just needs to be better. And it, it was expected, honestly, to be better, especially up the middle. I think Colton Vincent's been great at catcher, but but Jordan Carrion and Andrew DeSantis have had their, their moments at short and second. And, you know, not not having a Diamez Ross in, in center, you've kind of had to move some guys around, figure out for the moment who's who's a center fielder to to kind of make it work there. When you're not good up the middle defensively, usually. It, it's it's just not going to lead to good results for you overall. Could the pitching be better? Yeah, I think we're all kind of wondering when's the light going to turn on for a Carson Montgomery? When is it going to be a little bit better? When can uh, when can a couple of these stars go a little bit deeper in, in games? Because it, it's not a great formula when you're going out in the middle of that third inning and, and having to then go to the bullpen immediately. There's a lot of little things that that add up and make you kind of wonder what is sustainable where can they improve but there's a lot of really really good too and, and i think i think we have to appreciate to some extent too link Jarrett and the staff are are very adaptable and, and they're trying to put guys in the best position to to find some success so with the acc schedule starting we'll see how it plays out but it, it, it's been i think you would you would take nine and three if you were looking at this on the eve of opening day you'd probably say well nine and three feels pretty good it's just some of the losses to who they were Gulf coast. It doesn't feel great for sure. I, I, well, I'm curious. I don't know what link has said about it. Uh, so far they haven't used Crowell twice in a weekend. And, and I realized last week he had to pitch Wednesday against USF. So they held him. is the plan now. And he extended himself on Sunday. Do you think we'll see him for two or three innings Friday, two or three innings on Sunday? And I say that because if it had worked out last weekend and he was available for that, you probably win two out of three games there. I mean, there's no guarantee, but you might have won two out of three against Gulf Coast if it had unfolded that way. 
Right. The bummer of that South Florida game is I think Link Jarrett was looking at it and saying, I'm going all in. I'm going to use everybody I've got. Candidly, I think part of it is maybe him thinking, I want to go down to Tampa and recruit or send my staff down to Tampa. I don't want to have South Florida and the coaching staff say, well, we went up to Tallahassee and beat the Seminoles in their stadium. So I think part of it is just being ultra competitive. Yeah, Link basically said after the game, we know Jackson Bowmeister will start Friday and we'll worry about the rest Saturday and Sunday. That's maybe not the best plan. I think Link in his head is saying it, but thinking, wow, I really don't want to be saying these words out loud. Um, he, he has admitted the pitching staff is, is razor thin in terms of quantity and quality. Um, you know, somebody I think mentioned that a lot of the CWS teams last year had about 20 arms. This this roster's you know well short of 20, and, and we still don't know where some of the arms are in their development. Some of the veterans haven't reached that development either. So yeah, Link is dealing with, as he admits, a, a razor thin pitching staff. He's trying to just figure it out almost game in and game out. I'm kind of with you with you. I mean, Wyatt was not needed Tuesday night against Bethune. That's a great thing. Could he go out there Friday and Sunday, especially if they limit the pitch count on Friday? I'm with you. I, I think that could work. They 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 really have a good opportunity to, if not take all three and sweep this series, potentially take two out of three and, and keep that kind of positive momentum going. Guys, all I can tell you, and I have not been personally out there, but I've talked to people that have, the fans are happy. They love the new Hauser. They love this group. They love Link. I mean, he's got the support. That doesn't win games on the field, but it sure makes it for a nice atmosphere. You, you know what else he's got? His athletics director is now on the NCAA Division I baseball committee. So FSU's you are already correct. guaranteed you are to host correct. Supers this year. I'm glad there we checked go. that box. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of Super, as we, as we finish up, Bob, your favorite Buster Posey story as they're going to retire his jersey or his number, I should say, uh, later this week. You know, it's weird. I just, I was kind of coming on the beat after being off of it. I just enjoyed watching him play. I think I literally sat in a dugout for one interview with him and it was just fun to listen to him. I, I think that the obvious one for, for what we remember is the game when he played all nine positions and that was really cool. What was the other one that you guys might have to remind me that they lost the opener of a regional to like a Bucknell and then bounced back. I, I think there's, Again, shows show well, Buster's that one, leadership. That was the same year where then they beat Wichita State in the Supers after losing the, the opener in the regional against Bucknell. KJ, anything jump out for you? Uh, his ability to say, uh, okay, I can catch the ball, but I'll go on the mound and throw it if I have to. And that was fun to watch too. So exactly. I started when I called the games, I started in 07, which was Buster's sophomore year, but the first year he played that he caught. Uh, and then I was there in 08, obviously, which is the year that he could do no wrong. I, he was, this is oversimplifying, but he was as clutch as I can remember. I mean, I guess if I went back, you'd put J.D. Drew in 97 in that category. But every time FSU needed a hit, Buster got it, except in his very last at bat of his FSU career when he didn't extend the strike zone and he took a walk in Omaha to turn it over to the next guy, which made 11 so happy that he was not trying to play hero ball. He just did his job and got to first and extended the inning. My, I've told this story before, Keith. My favorite Buster story is, is not related to on-field, but in 2008, uh, they do a, a preseason team dinner at uh, Bill and Paula Smith House. Bill is 11's uh, good friend, and they would always host the team. And so 
uh, they invite support staff family over there. So we were over there and Buster met my wife who was pregnant with our first child then. So this is, I don't know, I'm going to ballpark at February 15th. You know, I think that was when the season started the first weekend or it started earlier. Anyway, now fast forward to like May 10th and Buster's hitting 450 with 22 home runs. And I see him before the game in the dugout and he says, Hey Tom, I've been meaning to ask, how's Laura's pregnancy doing? Is everything going okay with you, with, with the child? That this literally happened in the middle of that season that he had, and that's how grounded. And uh, I mean, he's a guy that just saw the big picture. And I've always said he's a, he's a better human being than he was a baseball player, and he's a pretty damn good baseball player. And you that's, are a, that's a true story. You <laughs> are correct. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be a big weekend. Jameis Winston and a lot of uh, former football stars will be out there on Friday. Uh, Buster having his big moment on Saturday. Bob, we'll let you go. Appreciate it as always, sir. All right. Take care, guys. All right. More front row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back. A few minutes to go, which is not enough time to detail all the uh, career highlights of Buster Posey, but. Uh, there's a lot of them out there, and uh, it was certainly an unbelievable career to watch unfold for a guy who came in and was not a bad uh, shortstop, you know, early in his career, if I, if memory serves, Keith. He was a, a relatively, and in, in fact, a good shortstop. As I mentioned, he pitched occasionally. Uh, how about the decision? I would love, and we've heard about it, when, when Meat has the conversation with Eleven, uh, hey, Dad. Uh, why don't we take this all-star and move him from shortstop to catcher? I, yeah, I know he's never played catcher before, but I think he'd be pretty good. Well, and they did it again a few years later with Rafael Lopez, who didn't go on to become Buster Posey, but had a pretty decent career at Florida State when they moved him. I think he had transferred in from Boston College. Yeah, so it'll be good to see Buster. There's also a bunch of football guys coming back because it's a big recruiting weekend. So Jameis Winston will be in. He wasn't a bad baseball player either. Not at all. Jalen, Jalen Ramsey is coming back. Derwin James is coming back. Cam Akers, uh, Jay Sean Corbin. And that's, that, that's maybe the A-list, but I, and maybe that's probably not the full A-list. Uh, there's a lot of excitement, I think, is the bigger takeaway about what's going on with football. When you have guys like that coming back, that tells you that they're bought in as well. Without question. And again, as we've mentioned, you've got some players that have come back that maybe, maybe just maybe could have, decided to go to the NFL last year, but they've chosen to continue their collegiate careers. I mean, the trajectory is very good. Now, Tom, we all have to remember, you got to put in the work. You got to put in the work. That does not escape Norvell. I don't think that escapes the, the leadership, the upperclassmen of this team. If you, if you listen to Coach uh, Josh and the things they've done during the tour of duty, if you, if you have looked at the weight gains and the weight changes and the increase in strength, you know, the things that don't show up, you know, uh, because they occur in January and February and into March, there's where you lay the foundation. Then you go into spring ball. Yeah, they're in shorts for a couple of days and some kids are being held out and other kids are limited. But this is the foundation. Then you get into the summer the workouts, particularly the skill set, the seven-on-seven. We're going to start paying attention when they get into fall camp in August 
But now's when you're laying the work and the foundation for what the 23 season's really going to be about. Feels like spring practice got here pretty quickly. And we were just in Orlando and here we are. We got the spring football rolled out again. You know, back in the day when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth, uh, we started spring practice first of May and finished it up the end of May. Um, they're going to be done before May even gets here, it seems like. <laughs> Is that back before uh, coaches were out on the road evaluating high school spring practices during the month of May? Well, that's when they had the Flintstone mobiles and there was no engine. They had to run them with their feet. Keith, you're, uh, you're telling on yourself here. Um, I'm just saying. We all know it was only the age of black and white television. It wasn't back before motors and cars. Hey, let me tell you, my family, we didn't know at the time, but we were upper, upper middle class because we had remote control. I was the remote control. Daddy would go, uh, Keith, get up and change that channel to nine. Change it to six. We only had three channels, but I was the remote control. Well, and if you got really good on those old TVs, you knew how to turn the dial and you knew just how many clicks would stop it at the right station, right? See, I'm, I'm kind of old too, Keith. Yeah, you're not as old as me and you'll, and you'll never catch up. All right, we are uh, out of time. Looking forward to practice today. Uh, folks, we do this each and every week, including next week. So uh, tune in then. Thanks as always for uh, tuning in with us to Front Row Knowles and we'll talk to you then. So long, everybody.